What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Joined this week by my co-hosts, Shu and Raul. Going to do a little bit of a breakdown of Wake Forest and NC State, then talk a little bit about uh, Florida State coming up. Um, obviously, Wake Forest uh, on the road, most notably probably was that we had John Shire coaching. Kay was out sick. Um, pretty big game, a little bit of a tale of two halves. So we'll, we'll kind of jump in and talk about that. Definitely wanted to hit on Shire to begin with. Um, I guess, Shu, I'll jump to you first. What were you kind of seeing? Looked like that first half was pretty murky. I think it was, what, 29-27 wake with about a minute or so to go? Actually, just under a minute. Um, and then all of a sudden, we kind of just hit the jets, hit those two threes in a row. Um, Kills gets the steal. We come down, get it back to Kills, hits a three. I think they called timeout. Out of the timeout, we get a offensive foul that AJ draws up or draws from them. John uses his uh, use it or lose it timeout right there, uh, draws up a play, gets uh, AJ a three right before halftime. And now all of a sudden we're up 35-29 going into the half um, after a game with those guys kind of just lingering around for fingers <laughs> for too long. So um, that was nice. You know, just a couple of things that um, stood out to me again. I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the rebounding. Um, we were out rebounded that game and the free throws, uh, 53%, I think is what we shot. We didn't shoot a lot of them, but we didn't shoot them very, very well, but shouts to John, you know, taking over, coming, coming through, you know, short notice. Uh, I like when he wears his glasses kind of reminds me of, uh, like he's pulling a young Brad Stevens on the sideline there. Um, and he was great for us. Some of those out of bounds plays we ran were just beautiful. Um, we got Paulo a dunk followed by AJ a dunk on back to back out of bounds plays that was a little bit later on in the second half but uh Raul what what did you see well uh, let's stick with Shire's coaching at first um so one thing I did notice was in the first half he left that lineup with some of our bench players in longer than I think Kay might have and I liked the trust there but it could have backfired against a better team because I believe we we came out pretty well we were up like uh 12 to 4 he puts them in, and then we end up being up only 13 to 10. So that was like uh, we were outscored by five there, I guess, or something. But uh, I feel like uh, Kay might have yanked them a little bit sooner. It, di it didn't end up backfiring, but that was interesting to see. Uh, beyond that, I guess the other stories of the game, of course, are the 22 to one run. You already touched on it a little bit, that 8 0 at the end of the half, but that extended into the second half. It was a really impressive performance, both offensively and defensively, for like, uh, I don't know how many minutes that was exactly, but because uh, I think it extended into kind of like halfway into the second half, maybe five or six minutes in, I would say. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 you're right. Because uh, I had written down here there was only five minutes that we made that run over. So to outscore them 22 to one in five total minutes is really impressive. And then I guess the last thing is uh, you already mentioned AJ as well, hitting that uh, step back there. He was just great overall in his first start. Yeah. And we kind of buried that a little bit um, with it being AJ's first start. We see Roach moved out of the lineup. Um, kind of interesting dynamic there. I think it's worked pretty well. I think we'll talk a little bit about that after we talk about state and we have a whole week to to break it down. Um, but yeah, 22 points on 11 shots from AJ. He looked good, had the nice little dunk. Again, it's always nice seeing him kind of being able to attack. He cuts really well. And I, what I, I think what I like most about AJ 
It's just there's no wasted movement. Um, he seems to be able to kind of get the ball, and he's, he either knows what he wants to do with it or he's moving it back around. He's cutting off of it. He doesn't try to do too much. If there's not space in the lane, he has that step back three, which is such a nice weapon, especially playing two bigs. I think that's a huge skill set. Now, obviously, against State, we, we didn't see AJ kind of uh, have that type of game, but it, it was nice to see. And I think y'all can correct me here, but I think John played him like 36 or 37 minutes, which yeah. was so that was another coaching kind of style that we saw from John, the emphasis on the bigger wings, wanting AJ to get out there and kind of um, be able to switch a little bit more. What were y'all's thoughts on that? Because we kind of saw it kind of go dwindle a little bit, I guess, against State. Well, for me, like the points you hit on also with AJ, one of the things I noticed in the weight game, he's got that, he's got a really nice dribble. Like he keeps it, he's got a little hesitation to him um, and he can kind of get in between players. Like I know a couple of times though, he, he'll pick it up and he'll get in the air and not exactly know what he wants to do with it. Um, he hit Roach on a nice, like kind of forward bounce pass Roach cut on the baseline. I think it ended up just being in a foul uh, along the baseline, but I just like his shiftiness with the ball um, while he's kind of probing, looking for, you know, to make a play. Do you think anything that we saw against Wake is a preview of what we might see from John going forward? Or do you think that the game plan was already just so set that maybe some minor things that we kind of hit on? Or is this a one-off, I guess? Or is there anything that we take away heading into next year for John? Yeah, I was kind of interested... You know, I, I was really happy to have Kay back for State, but I was kind of interested to see uh, John versus State potentially just to see if there was any kind of pattern there or if that was just kind of matchup dependent because Wake was a big team. So I always kind of thought we might go bigger to begin with. I And I don't know with State, it was just like if uh, Kay felt like he wanted to go a little bit smaller to keep up with you know, their their speed or, but he kept Mark on the floor a long time. Or if it was just that AJ wasn't playing as well, you know, he went one of six and wasn't making as big an impact. You know, I would like to think Kay would have also kept AJ in the game if somebody's going to go eight of 11 and score 22 points on just 11 shots. I think any coach is going to keep them in. But I liked almost everything that I saw out of Shire with possibly the exception of keeping Theo and Baker in just a little bit too long. But on the other hand, it's like if you want to have bench depth, you've got to do that at some point. And we're always kind of talking about the dwindling depth. So it's a trade-off of like, do you keep guys in so long that you lose a lead? Or do you not let them get the experience? At some point, you've got to trust them, right? Right. And then we saw in this last game, uh, Theo play much better. So you know, maybe there's a payoff there. Yeah, well, and that's a great point. Um, well, Shu, you want to say something before we? I just I was going to jump you know, into state. <clears throat> uh, back to Shire, I noticed just some kind of random lineups when in that weight game that I don't think I've really noticed before. Like the what you were talking about, kind of him being a little bit more lenient um, with the bench play. It was it was Roach, Wendell, uh, Joey, AJ at the four, and Theo at the five. So mm -hmm. no Mark and no Palo, um, and we really haven't seen a, a lot of that. Um, so I thought that was interesting that he kind of was going to not only shake up the starting lineup, but kind of our rotations. And so, yeah, I would be in, you know, interested going forward to, to know whether or not that's kind of a pattern of how he's going to like to coach as, you know, just maybe game by game, seeing who's got it and who doesn't um, maybe not having such a short leash. Like we've kind of 
been accustomed to some players having. So, I, you know, it's interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, and it's it wasn't as drastic as like what we saw a few times when Capel took over and he was going 10, 11 deep randomly there for a little bit. Getting the um, prank. Yeah, we, everybody was getting kind of fired up for that. But I think John was a little bit more uh, – you know, it represented Kay a little bit closer, I thought, in strategy. A little bit, you know, he has his own style. But um, but I guess as we jump into state, we mentioned that Wake was kind of a tale of two halves. It was kind of like that for this week, a tale of two games. Um, the really, in my opinion, the most consistent player this week was Paolo. Probably could have had 30 against Wake. And then he kind of has the AJ game against state where he goes eight for 11. I think he finished with like 23 or 21 or something like that. Um so we'll we'll get we'll jump into state now, I guess. What's the biggest takeaway? Obviously, I think we were all pulling for Mark to get the triple double. Looked like he was gonna get it there for a little bit, swatting everything, it seemed like. Um, I guess that's the we'll start with Mark then. Yeah, I mean, Mark's had a couple really nice games this year. Um, I kind of thought this one was his best one. Um, obviously just getting two blocks away from from the triple double. Um that kind of dunk pass where we threw a uh, an alley-oop basically to Mark, but he wasn't going to be able to, to do anything with it. But to have the, you know, the wherewithal to, uh, hey, I've got Paulo trailing behind me and just drop it, you know, drop it on the paint and, you know, Paulo goes up for a dunk. That was that was one of uh, one of the nicer plays I've seen from a, you know, seven-foot big man like that, you know. Yeah, one of my favorite plays of the year, I would say. Yeah, sure. for sure. And I was going to hand it to you, Roel, because we had talked about like a week or two ago, um, about AJ's emergence and what it was going to, how it was going to impact Mark. It seemed to really be affecting him early on this week. And we talked about the benefit for Paolo in that small ball this week, though, we've seen Paolo be our best player in both games. And we've seen Mark be on the floor for a lot of that and also play well, I guess, as I hand that to you, Roel, to talk a little bit about that has to be, you know, great news for us going forward, keeping Mark on the floor to anchor that defense. Yeah. I mean, it's really great news. Um, Paolo was still, able to get to the rim really easily. And that's the big thing. Uh, before, I felt like when Mark was in the game, Paolo would kind of drift on the perimeter and he'd, you know, dribble for a while and then step into a bad pull-up, right? But at least against uh, these last two opponents, he was able to really attack the paint no matter who was out there on the floor. And that kind of led to his efficiency, especially against Wake. Sorry, not against Wake. I meant State. Uh, my bad. But uh, yeah, so it was really good to see. I think um, if we could just get Wendell back to kind of what he's been, he wasn't bad this week by any means. Um, you know, I think he went six for eight against State. And uh, against Wake, he had a nice defensive and passing game, but he didn't score much. But we haven't quite as, quite seen that uh, all-around game that we were seeing earlier in the year from Wendell. Yeah, it definitely would be nice to get him back. Um, I think for me, too, is we've seen kind of like a, a philosophy change with the offense a little bit too, right? Like this last week I was watching as I was rewatching it, not a whole lot of Mark post-up attempts or he's actively trying to seal. There are a few times where he was trying to, but if he didn't seal immediately, he was rotating back to the other side, opposite side of ball, which is perfect, which is where we want him. Um, we've also saw a lot less of Paulo's perimeter kind of like attack. He seemed to be catching it a little deeper. I think, outside of the the weight game that you mentioned where, where he started settling at the end, that might have been the only two or three like out of rhythm mid like long twos that he's 
probably took this week, which is significantly different than what we've seen. So for me, that's huge because I've kind of been, you know, hawking on and on about not really wanting Mark post-ups in terms of getting him the ball. would rather get it to him in different ways. So hopefully that's a sign of more to come. Um, you talked about Wendell. I think that's a good time to let's, let's talk a little bit about the Trevor Keels at point guard experiment um, and what that's going to look like going forward and whether or not, you know, I guess, first off, did you like what you saw? And then two, do you think this is the best way for Duke to reach their ceiling or do we need to get Dell back in that role? Well, I think for me, um, it kind of depends. Like, so in the weight game, Obviously, Wake had uh, Alondis Williams, who's a just a fantastic scorer, mm-hmm. um, and Dell is going to draw that defensive assignment. So, to ask Dell to not only shut down or you know stop the best scorer and also handle point guard duties is probably asking a little bit too much. So, I think that game that was kind of the reason, one of the main reasons. I won't say it's the reason. Obviously, um, Previous games, Wendell's kind of had some turnover issues, so maybe that had a little bit to play in it. Um, and, and Wendell did a great job against that guy. I mean, he still got 25 points, but I think it took him like 21 shots to do. So, um, you know, we'll give credit to Wendell for that. But um, the state game, you know, kills was fantastic. What he ended up with nine assists, I believe, uh, maybe two turnovers. He didn't have a lot, I don't believe. So. Um, that was pretty good. Um, and he did a lot better job of kind of, I guess, reading plays, reading and reacting. You know, he had that one was going to be a dribble handoff, but Mark kind of slipped the screen and kills, throws it to him for a wide open dunk. I mean, just kind of and a couple, you know, up ahead passes to Mark for easy leak out. So I, I don't mind kills at point, but I, I do would I'd like to get Dale back to pre-COVID Dale. You know, I think that definitely helps us in the long run uh, if one of them doesn't have it one night or the other. So at least closer to it than what than closer to pre like, you know, closer to November, December this year, Dell than last year, Dell. Um, sure. And I think Keels, you know, I was a little hard on him to start the game. The first eight to 10 minutes of the game, I didn't think he was playing that well. Um And then the last 30 minutes, he was just fantastic, especially in the second half, because and I think that's what frustrates me a little bit of him at point is that you see the passing ability there on some of those like drop downs and dump offs to Mark. But then he also has those moments where he's just driving completely head down, gets stuck, gets, you know, the turnaround, you know, jumpers. Um, I think for all of our guys, one thing that I really wish we would cut out is getting in the air and not have, not knowing what we're wanting to do with the ball. We do yeah. that a lot. Roach does it. Dell does it. A, you mentioned AJ doing it. Gills does it. Um, that's not ideal, but it's, you know, it's hard to not assist five steals. Well, and, and also the weight game. I don't know if you guys remember, but that, um, that little white guy, uh, Hildreth or the, the Englishman that come in, he looked like you had been like a, an extra for the Stark army or something in Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know. Just like this little red. He, he reminded me of Tom Coverdale. I don't know if you, Raul might remember that name. And um, mm-hmm. anyways, not to bring up bad memories, but he was kind of taking it two kills there. Like he came in like with an attitude, like I'm going to, you know, come at you hard and and was kind of getting under kills in that, in that weight game. Um, he didn't have a very good first half. I uh, came out in the second half and played uh, obviously a lot better after we kind of settled down. And obviously, the the margin that we had, you know, when you get a 15, 20 point cushion, you know, kind of makes things a little bit easier on you. But um, 
yeah, I mean, sorry, Ro, I want to take up all the time talking here. What do you, what do you got here? Um, well, I mean, yeah, it's hard to complain too much about Keels in this last game when he had nine assists and five steals. But on the other hand, you still saw him take the most shots on the team, I believe. Um, and he only went five of 13. Um, I believe he ended up with like 12 points or something. Yeah. So it's not like he, he still wasn't particularly efficient on offense. And I think a lot of that is those kind of plays that Josh is talking about, but also the tendency to take these contested threes that really don't need to happen. They're not in rhythm with the offense. Like I loved those two threes he took in transition. Uh, the, the analyst was actually, sorry, I forget her name, but she was talking about uh, those, um, that he was filling in the gap there on the, on the right wing. And he took mm-hmm. those two threes in transition. He hit both of them, but that's because those were good shots, right? The other threes that he ends up missing usually are those, uh, the offense has gone stagnant. The ball comes to him and he just shoots it for no reason. Um, yeah. And the only person I'm okay with doing that at this point is AJ. So um, <laughs> is it just AJ me? Or- any three he wants, but do you guys feel like Kill's shot is a little flat? And I don't know if it's just me. It seems like it's not got a lot of arc to it sometimes, especially the misses are, are really flat. It looks like, I don't know. Definitely if you're comparing it to AJ or Baker's or Joey's sure. shots, okay. right? Yeah. Like AJ's, I love AJ's shot. It, it doesn't look like he would just be that, like have that kind of shot, just his body frame and the comps that he gets, but it's super soft, great arc. Um, it's not super quick, but he compensates with that by creating great separation. So yeah. You know, that's, you know, if he can, can do that. But yeah, I agree that Kills does have a little bit more of a direct yeah. kind of trajectory. The other thing I notice is he's tends to be a little bit leaning when he takes his shot. He's not perfectly on balance like AJ. AJ, because he has that really wide stance, is able mm-hmm. to get like perfectly on balance with the basket. I think that's helping him a lot. Whereas Kills seems like he tends to be falling off to one side. So that could be hurting a shot as well. Um, but yeah, he seems to, the ones that I always remember him hitting are those rhythm threes. Whenever I'm like, that was a good shot to take, I feel like the chances of him having made it go up astronomically. Yeah, I'd like to see definitely more in rhythm shot all around for everyone, I think. Um, and I, I guess another thing to talk about too in the state game is the bench had a really good bounce back uh, mm-hmm. against Wake. We talked about how every time they came in, it seemed like we were giving up a big lead. We, now, we did give up the lead a few times against State as well, but overall, Joey and Theo seemed to really kind of have pretty good games. Roach, not quite as much, had some good passing moments. Um, I think you were saying, what did Theo finish with? He was like four, finish four, with four 10 five points. for five. Yeah. yeah, five for five or four. Yeah, so 10 points. So um, finished a couple around the rim. You know, we've kind of been harping on him getting – you know, getting stopped at the rim uh, here lately, but no, he, you know, he played his role well off the bench. That's, I mean, what more can you ask for from a big guy to just come in and not really do too much to hurt you and and give you ten points? I thought Roach was okay too. Um, he struggled a little bit to stay in front of his man on defense, um, but State's really fast, and to be honest, all of our guys were struggling with their guards um, in those ball screen situations. But uh, he, I think he only took two shots, so it's not like he was hunting his offense. Um, and then I believe he had like three or four assists and zero turnovers, 
So I'll take that any day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and before we jump into FSU, I think it is kind of worth highlighting a little bit that not to be the negative Nancy, but Duke probably should have won both of these games by like 20 plus um, going away. A little concerning that, you know, that we couldn't kind of just step on them and, and finish the job. So that might be something to kind of to kind of check out um, as we go forward. But I guess Ro, I'll, I'll kind of toss it to you here to preview Florida State. Um, I don't know a ton about them other than I think yet again, they're like the tallest team in the country. Go figure. Right. Um what should we be looking for in terms of uh, this version of Park State? Um, well, you know, it's another road test, and we haven't had that many of those because of uh, the cancellations. And so far, what we played two true true road games, and we're one and one. So we don't have a lot of evidence either way for how we're going to play on the road. And they, they have, didn't they? They just beat Miami though, too, right? I, of course, Miami beats us at Duke, and then yeah, yeah, it goes and loses to Florida State. Yeah, Miami kind of beat themselves there, but yeah. Yeah, and they uh, they also just beat Syracuse, I think, by four on the road. Um, but they were missing one of their players. And I think he's going to be back because apparently he was questionable for that last game. Um, and so they were probably just holding him out to have everybody against Duke. He's, he's a nice, efficient player. Um, so if they get him back, that would help. Uh, in terms of uh, how we match up, they're... Big man is, uh, you know, he's seven one, but he's 190 pounds, and he's shooting like 42% from three. So it'll be interesting to see whether Mark can have a big impact or not in this game. A lot of these matchups, I think, you know, in my previews are going to come down to what's Mark going to look like, because that's going to determine what rotations and lineups we play more than anything else, right? Like, because uh, we do have the option to go small, so... If Mark can't play in a certain matchup, you're going to see more AJ minutes. And if Mark can play, you might see fewer. You might see fewer Roach minutes, depending on if we want to go really big. You know, in theory, Mark moves pretty well on the perimeter. In theory, he should be able to guard this 7-1, 190-pound guy who really only takes threes. Um, but, you know, not having watched a ton of FSU, I'm not exactly sure, like, there's a possibility that just having a big man out there who can draw Mark out of the paint just opens up the paint way too much for their other guys. And we've got to get more switching going on. Um, but, you know, they're so they're ranked in the 50s. I think they're 54th in, on Ken Palm. So that's about where Wake was ranked. So, you know, we're favored by four. I think we were favored by five over Wake. So it's pretty comparable. Um, you know, it'll be a tough test for sure. I would expect a close game, at least for most of it. You know, if we do pull away, it'll probably be like the weight game where we pull away in the second half. I don't expect us to come out and just dominate them from the get-go. You know, Hamilton's a good coach. But I do think this is a very winnable game. Uh, we'll have to clean up some of the stuff that we didn't do so well against uh, State. We didn't really cover it, but... Uh, the defensive rebounding against State was uh, something I actually wanted to circle back to because that was a big problem. You know, yeah. Mark blocked eight shots, but I think our defensive rating was actually worse with him on the floor because of all those putbacks, right? Uh, he'd go for a block that he had no chance of getting. His man comes in from behind, either his man 
or like Paolo's man or somebody else's man that he's not boxing out, right? Will fly down the lane and get the putback. And especially early, they must have had like five or six dunks just off of their own misses. So with a big team like FSU too, and they tend to be athletic, I think we're going to need to clean that up. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, more and AJ really have to do a little bit of a better job of like coming down to help out some there. Um, I know we we're trying to get out and run, but I think at one point state had like four offensive rebounds on a single possession. That just can't happen. Um, I think that's going to be huge kind of as we go forward to see what we're going to do with that. Who's boxing out, who's going to come down. I think Dell had zero rebounds until like the last like five or six minutes of the game. And then he played really well to close the game out. So I don't want to take that away from him. But we can't have him at zero rebounds for 30 minutes, 35 minutes of the game. I don't think that's going to work. But um, yeah, I yeah. mean, if, I, if I'm guarding a guy that's driving me to the basket and <clears throat> Mark's going to come over and try to block the shot, then, you know, especially a, a little guy like Kills or something, they need to be going to Mark's guy now and keeping him off of the boards, right? Because you're exactly right. It happened. I know it happened three times in the first five minutes of the state game where they're big man got an easy dunk. Now, the first dunk he got, he went by Mark on a dribble, dunked it. But the second one, Mark went up for a block. Nobody puts a body on him. He comes right in, you know, gets a dunk, and then did it just a minute or two later the same way. So, and, you know, if you watch the the sidelines that you saw Kay and Shire both at the same time, you know, rebound the ball. Like, let's get the ball, get a stop here. Yeah, Yeah, they seem to be getting really animated about that this year. I think that they recognize that's a real area of weakness because – there have been like four or five games where uh, the cameras cut away to them just being completely annoyed in a way that you usually don't see them, right? Like they don't tend to react that much. I mean, Kay reacts to things, but it's usually the refs or or whatever, right? Uh, he's just been exasperated by the rebound. Did you see him the other week? I forgot what game it was, but he he slapped Carewell on the knee and you see Carewell, you know, he's fresh off of his surgery. Like, Man, come on, bro. You can't be doing that. Like I get it, but easy now. Yeah, even Shire, uh, even Shire reacted to the missed rebounds, and that seemed uncharacteristic to me. I mean, Shire, you saw him in the wake game. His demeanor—it's not just the glasses. He's like Brad Stevens in other ways, right? Like, right, yeah, yeah, he wasn't laying into the refs. He was just kind of calm, you know. Yeah, even in the huddles, he's just kind of talking calmly to his guys. So the fact that he's just sighing when we're not getting a rebound just tells you a lot, I think. Well, and I'm hoping that they also recognize that um, giving up that amount of offensive rebounds. So this week we win both pretty comfortably, but we also got a little bit lucky too. When I'm looking at it and I'm seeing 22 offensive rebounds, and then I also see that they shot low 20s from three, right? And Wake did as well. Three-point defense to me is a little bit of, I've talked about it before. It's a little bit of a randomized stat. It's hard to control. Um if those teams shoot 45% from three, we might be owed to, right? Especially right. you've given up 22 offensive rebounds. If they get five more threes off of those, it's a different game. So I'm hoping the staff is looking at that too. And if we're going to shoot, I mean, we shot 50%, I mean, a little bit more than 50% from the free throw line in both. I think it was 53 and 58, you know? Yeah, that's concerning. Yeah. I mean, so, we've, been, we've been like 73% as a team on free throws for the year. And that's only because it's come down a little bit recently because of those last two games. Right. Um, so some of it might be a little bit flukish because Baker, I think, missed five free throws over the last two games. Yeah. And what was he like 95% before that? So 
you know, you can take a little bit of that with a grain of salt, but yeah, it's, that's still something that also needs to be worked on and cleaned up for sure. To come back to the three-point defense, I've always heard that you can, the defense can limit the, the number of threes the opponent takes, but they can't really control the percentage as well. So I think, you know, we tend to do a good job in limiting the number of them. Um, so that's something positive there, but you're right that just because a team only takes 15 doesn't mean they won't go seven of 15 instead of, you know, four or 15 or whatever. Yeah, we'll see. You know, um, I think it'll be another good test. I kind of, I'm expecting kind of a, um, not, not so much of a sloppy game, but a, a defensive game. That's Florida state strength. That's, you know, arguably one of our strengths. Um, so I expect a lot of that low scoring. And then we got Syracuse coming in on the back end. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, closer to next week. But before we wrap up, any final thoughts or takeaways from either of you guys? I mean, just on this Florida State game, you know, it's it's not your typical Florida State team, I wouldn't say, like what we've been used to the last couple of years. Um, you know, I've only watched them several times. I think I watched them play. I watched them get kind of smashed by Purdue. Um, and then the, the Syracuse game um, and a little bit of the Miami game, but they don't really seem to, I don't know if they have a, a surefire pro on the squad. Um, so, you know, kind of a pros versus Joe's game in my mind, you know, um, Tallahassee's kind of been tough on us in, in the past. Um, so hopefully we just come out and avoid those lulls that we've been talking about where, you know, we kind of get bored. I don't want to get up and then just to watch us kind of piss it away for lack of a better word. Um, you know, if we if we can come out with some intensity and and we hit on it earlier, I think there's been a concerted effort by Paulo, especially the last couple of games, to to be more aggressive at getting to the basket. Um, I'd like to see a continuation of that. I don't know if they have anybody to to stop him, especially if they do like you know, Wake played him one on one, and we saw what he did with that. I mean, he he said in his post game, um, you know, if they're going to go one on one, I feel like I can beat anybody one on one in the country. So I'd like to see. Uh, see that aggressiveness, you know, keep going there. Yeah. And, you know, Florida State has won their last three, so maybe they, they're starting to get some momentum. It could be, a, obviously, they they got Duke pegged, right, that everyone's going to be, you know, fired up for that. So got to come out ready. But, uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and get out of here. I did want to say, um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our podcast a few days ago with Ben Golliver, um, check that out. We're going to be doing a giveaway. We're going to kind of do two separate things here. So if you're a premium board member, Look for a thread over there on thedevilsden.com. Um, you can also send us an, e an email, thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. Just shoot us a screenshot showing you subscribed or give us some feedback. Um, you know, we, we appreciate all that stuff. And what we'll be doing is we'll select uh, six people. So you'll either get a six-month um, subscription to The Greatest of All Talk, which Ben Golliver co-hosts. And we're also got five copies of the book, uh, Bubble Ball, to give out. So Check us out over there. Um, you know, until next week, you know, keep the faces strong and the verve high.